0: Hey, welcome to the Tech Connect podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm
1: Dean Reverman.
0: Dean, we have talked about recurring revenue in a lot of different contexts. We have. Over the last year, we talked about it when we hosted the Tech Connect live shows. We did. Popular topic. Yes. Um, one that should make a lot of sense to our viewers, our listeners, our you audience, th- our channel. Yes. And you yet, would think? At the same time, I feel like some people don't necessarily get on board with that.
1: <laughs> they haven't been listening? No. You know. So hey, somebody's at the door. It's <laughs> called recurring revenue. and <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> You
0: better let them in. <laughs> all right so that is going to be our topic today it's another Dean and John special we're again cribbing a uh, an article from the tech connect today newsletter mm-hmm. we're going to dive a little deeper into this concept of how to build more and better recurring revenue for your business so we're going to get into the difference between one-time recurring sales yep uh, what what that means to you and your business and to your customers mm-hmm. uh, other sources of recurring revenue maybe you don't necessarily think about. Uh, And as always, we're going to get do our value to the VAR, tell you a little bit of maybe about how Blue Star can help you out in this, uh, as well as the usual "What's Tech Connecting with Us." So it's time for us to plug in and get connected.
1: Welcome to the Tech Connect
2: Podcast. It's time to get connected.
0: All right, so Dean... You know, again, recurring revenue is one of those things we love to hear about. I remember yep. when we were hosting Tech Connect Live yep. uh, last year, a couple episodes. Whenever a software company would say, "Hey, we've got a recurring revenue platform where you can make money over a you know a string of time," we mm-hmm. always got excited about that. We always shouted that out and called mm-hmm. it out as a good thing,
2: right? Yeah. Uh,
0: so you know, and again, like I said, this is one of our articles from our Tech Connect Today newsletter. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I will again put the link in the show notes to subscribe if you haven't already. You definitely should. You're going to find all kinds of cool. Articles like this, uh, and occasionally we'll do some deeper dives into it, but there's lots of great stuff that our friends over at DevPro Journal have been putting together for us. So, Mm -hmm. highly recommend that you check that out. So, uh, on this concept, you know, Dean, I want maybe you can kick us off here and explain a little bit about. What do you think of when you hear the term recurring revenue?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So, you know, obviously you're building or you're trying to, to me, you're trying to build a business where you have revenues coming in that, duh, are recurring. So why is that such a revolutionary thought? It it shouldn't (laughs) be because most resellers today don't work on that. Even today, even though we've been preaching it, I don't know what the statistics are, but I think, well, about a year and a half ago, it was still in the neighborhood of 60% of resellers sellers do not uh, work under, have any kind of recurring revenue in their revenue stream. Mm-hmm. So they're they're the traditional model. And the traditional model is I've got something to sell. I take it to the marketplace. I sell it. There's a one-time fee for that. Boom, we're done. Thank you so much. Right, you know, I'm right. moving on to the next one, as opposed to a recurring revenue model where Yes, I can go out there, sell the solution, but that solution now has a value over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's recurring revenue that is coming in off of that. Now, when you think about the why, I guess, or so to, to me, that's what recurring right, right. revenue is, right? That's that's what you're trying to build. But we have to understand why some of this is going on in, in the marketplace, too. And I'm going to throw a couple things out at you, John. Sure. And of course, we've talked about some of these already, but- we talk about the societal changes you know, why do resellers need to pivot to this? You know, to, to my mind, if you haven't pivoted already, what, are you on the fence? You know, why is it? Why are you still on the fence? What do we need to do to convince you to get over there? Maybe these are some of the things that we can say to that are going to convince you to get over there. Societal changes. You know, the society is changing. There is an embracing of monthly costs. Right? Subscription
0: world. Subscription. Kind of bingo. Yeah.
1: Yes. Subscription world, right? I mean, it's out there. Whereas 10, 20 years ago, not so much the mm. case. Or maybe if you were, you know, leasing things or, mm. or paying for something monthly, it was just that it was well i lease a car right. but i would never think to lease my point of sale system or right. i would never think to lease my mobile computer that's in the warehouse things are changing because society is changing and becoming a little bit more adaptable to that subscription based model we've talked a lot about how this pandemic has mm-hmm. brought on mm-hmm. the need for you know those types of things so you got societal changes going on out there number 2 you got solution selling how many times have we talked about solution selling it. It you, is it is
0: the it, it's the way to sell. It's the way There's to no sell. There's no other way you should be selling right now.
1: Absolutely not. So if you're selling a solution that's a tech stack and usually in that tech stack you're going to need some type of software and things like that. Now, just by nature of that part of it, you're getting into the whole recurring revenue or mm-hmm. SaaS model. Uh, there's a wave out there. So those are some whys when you think about it, otherwise to throw on the table, you've got the accounting department that is finally embracing the OPEX over CAPEX mm-hmm. type of expenditure. You know, back in the old day, my dad was an accountant and he'd <laughs> sit there and, you know, what's the capital expenditure and he's right, got right. his little calculator going and stuff like that. And he, he can amateurize it out over however many years for, for the, for the company, yeah, okay, all that still exists, but you've got accounting teams now that understand and are willing to pivot dollars towards OPEX. Mm-hmm. So so you've got the, you got the money guys saying, hey, okay, yes. And finally, you've got technology advancements. As we've talked about, you've got technology is advancing so fast today, right? I yep. mean, with implementing new solutions and stuff like that, you don't want to be left behind. That's one of the worst things about CAPEX is that, and believe you me, I worked for a company that uh, was you know, part of their ownership was an aluminum extruding company. And mm-hmm. you want to talk old school, a CapEx. I mean, it's like they would buy things and they would use them for 10 years, yep. 15 years, 20 yep. years. They're computers that they uh, anyway. So that's <laughs> that's not really the way the world operates today, or at least that's not the way solution selling is going where, yeah, you've got solutions. This is going to work today, but I can tell you in three, four five years, the technology is going To change a little bit, you want to be positioned well for that. Anyway, there are some whys. Why would you want to consider recurring revenue? What do you think on on some of that stuff?
0: So, you know, what what I keep thinking of here is this idea of like steady cash flow and budgeting and understanding that, hey, business needs can change from one month to the next. Mm -hmm. And your expectations of what you're going to have from one month to the next can change if you're only going out there and doing single sale, give me all the money right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, especially I would think for. Maybe newer vars that are kind of you know just getting started, or maybe if you're expanding out into a, a new area and you're trying to get a feel for what what kind of revenues do I expect to get when you're doing a recurring model of some sort, it makes it so much easier to understand what's about to come around the corner. At you. Yes, there are always going to be projects that will pop up and new things that will happen that will shift one way or another. But if you're saying to yourself, "Hey, I've got these four projects that are all happening in Q1," And and I expect the same thing in Q two, and you get all that money in Q one, and suddenly Q two you have no projects, mm-hmm. where they're all much smaller, simpler mm-hmm. stuff. than all of your budgeting, all of your, your <clears throat> you know your process for for payroll, for you know uh, assets, for mm-hmm. you know leasing your building, whatever <laughs> it is, right. what all this stuff that your accounting team has to account for and pay for. Mm-hmm. All those bills still come due yep. the next month. Still there. You still got to pay your employees. Mm-hmm. You still got to pay your rent. Mm-hmm. You still got travel budgets or whatnot. You know, all that stuff's still going to be there, but suddenly yeah. you have nothing to leverage it against. And I right. know some people still, again, might think like, well, I got it all up front. I can just move that over to the next quarter. Mm-hmm. But what if you made, you know, what if you went out and splurged on something in that first quarter because you suddenly had all this extra revenue coming like, hey, this is the time now we can go out and hire five more people mm-hmm. because we got these huge projects coming mm-hmm. in. So we're going to hire these people in. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the next quarter everything's a lot less, you have a lot fewer projects, and now you've got all this extra, you know, expenditures that you weren't quite ready for. So I think Mm -hmm. that's one place to think about this idea of a steady ongoing cash flow yep, that yep. you can plan and budget and, and work Very around. appealing.
1: Very appealing. Back to those accountants, very appealing to those it, folks. It,
0: very much so, yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, I've I mean, i I've never done accounting and I would never want to, but <laughs> but I have to think there's got to be something nice about being able to say, okay, I know that X amount of money is coming in next yep. month. I mean, sure, right. somebody could cancel their subscription or oh, whatever right. or change yeah. things.
1: And you're going to learn that over time. Right. Your business is going to say, oh, we, we've got a certain amount of attrition that goes on. Here, yeah, Right. Exactly. 5% of the people on a monthly basis bail out. So-
0: yeah, they would. But ideally, out, right? you're filling that in with new customers anyway. Exactly. Know? So it's, something, it's, it's a very small window that's fluctuating yep. potentially back and forth. Right. The other thing that occurs to me, too, you mentioned this idea of, uh, you know, when a new, you know, as new products come ro- uh, along, you know, mm-hmm. and as new technology changes, and it's so much simpler to go to your customers and say, hey, rather than throw out that, you know, th- the hundred grand that you spent just two years ago, because all this new stuff's coming out, and we need a hundred another hundred grand from you to put all that in. Mm. What if you were saying, "Hey, that hundred grand you that you know that you're paying to us in a sense, you're paying it stretched out over time, and that means that as new products, as new technology comes out, we're going to come right in, we're going to take the old out, put the new in. You're still paying that same rate every month, and you don't have to think about the fact that you're basically bringing in a, something brand new and have to shell out a ton of money to get it each time." And, or you know to your point, sitting there and, and sitting on something for years and years and years longer when you showed us innovation and technology
1: absolutely remember when we were talking to Terry Miller from uh what was then uh, uh last mile the last mile yes. delivery yep. the uh, yep. um it's now owned by uh Descartes but uh, he he brought up the the use case of of a customer of his that wanted them to enable needed to enable the signature yep. capturing yep. ability right there at the delivery and and the use case was well under the SaaS model. That was so easy. Number one, they just turned it on, right? Right. And but then they just made the incremental adjustment to their monthly payment in order to make that happen. As opposed to the customer was also looking at alternatives of actually coding that in, mm-hmm. and the massive capital expenditure expenditure it would have taken to write that code into that, uh, which would have been cost prohibitive. Yep. I mean, it would have been hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it the one way as opposed to a you know a small increase in the mon- monthly payment per device on the other way. So, yes, right to your point yep. and that's what that's kind of what we're saying here that it, you can enable technology advancements much easier when it's in a recurring SaaS type of a model than a CAPEX. You know, yep. walking back in the door, "Oh, yeah, we can do that for you, but it's going to be 30 grand, or right, whatever right. it is, and it's like, oh, man, exactly. we, can't, we can't do
0: that. Yeah, that was something I was actually going to bring up too is that idea again that, yeah, we because we have talked to, you know, Terry mentioned that. We've talked to a couple other folks that have brought up this idea of modular solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially on the software side, you know, and this article is kind of written towards our software partners, but I think it's just as relevant for our, our partners, especially if you are working with software partners and going out and pitching these concepts for them. But the idea that, yes, you're providing someone with a solution that you're saying, hey, This solution is set up currently for your current needs, but we're just letting you know that down the road, if things change, Mm -hmm. and last year was a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Imagine being in retail Mm -hmm. or in restaurants, hospitality, some sort of, you know, one of these industries last year that got affected hard by COVID when it happened and had to make a pivot, figuring out, okay— How do I go contactless? How do I do curbside? Mm -hmm. How do I do uh, order online, pick up in store? How do I make all these shifts and changes to my business now that I can't have people actually coming in my store or limited Mm -hmm. capacity or people simply aren't showing up the way they used to? Right. Now, imagine if that had happened to you and you were already working with a POS provider who said, hey- that stuff's already built into the system we gave you. We just had it turned off because you didn't need it before. Mm-hmm. We're going to turn it on. We're going to charge you you $200 know, extra a month now for, for those pieces to add that to your, your POS, and we're going to run forward from there. Yep there's th- that you want to talk about a way to to, to generate loyalty mm-hmm. and feel good about a company you're working with mm-hmm. imagine when in times of crisis like that and something pops up and you need this you're able to go to your VAR go to your software partner say hey we suddenly need this now it's mm-hmm. things have changed our market has changed our business has changed They say oh hey that's we already—that's already built into the platform. We gave you. Yep. We're just going to turn yep. you know, turn hit a couple of buttons, turn a couple of keys, and we'll turn it on for you. Boop.
1: There we go. How yeah. awesome would that be? <laughs> It is awesome. Why wouldn't <laughs> you do that? Well, you know? that's why that's why moving towards a recurring revenue model in a SaaS model is so important for resellers to consider. And it, so, there's two main themes there that I, I guess we could wrap up here or, or put in this the, this part of the dialogue. Number one, selling repeatedly. So, so you've got a solution now in the sense when once you start making the move towards the SaaS. Uh, type of model, your solution selling, you've got something repeatable that you can now take to the marketplace, Mm. which is really nice. Mm. Yes, there's still value in what the reseller is doing, the VAR is doing, by customizing that to to Mm. the end user. Certainly, but you have repeatable things that you can you can start selling, and then finally, and this is the big one for me it's re- customer retention the The phrase is stickiness it adds customer stickiness to your point, where you were just going, uh, John, you know when you have a customer that needs to modify their their solution a little bit, well, they're already emboldened to you. Or they're not emboldened to you. They're already uh, connected to you mm. by the fact that you have You're them probably are, the
0: first person they're going to.
1: Well, yeah. If yes. you have a SaaS with them, if you have a solution that they're paying on a recurring revenue or they're, they're paying a SaaS to you, they're coming to you first mm. and saying, hey, we need to do this or whatever it is. So the customer stickiness is unbelievable with with the recurring revenue type of model and that's why a reseller should consider moving over there look i've been in the situation where uh, you know as a reseller we we implemented a solution it's awesome they loved it good to go Uh, the solution's doing what it needs to do and the dust settles and everybody goes away Mm. and then two years later you learn that somebody else came in and provided some other service and now that customer who was so loyal to you back then (laughs) two years ago when you implemented it has now moved on to somebody else. There's no stickiness there, right? There was no loyalty, no stickiness. So when you think about why would I want to move my reseller company to recurring revenue? Stickiness. Mm -hmm. They can't move away from you. And so you're always at the table as far as trying to figure out the other solution. Yeah, I guess there's a doomsday scenario where they hate you so much that they're just going to go somewhere else and they're not even going to tell you and they're implementing. Okay, that, that still happens. But the reality is, it's there's a lot of stickiness now uh, to to the solution, and they're going to have to come back to you, which is awesome. Because that's kind of what you want. You just want to be in the fold on, on when solutions, when, when there's a need to, to modify a solution. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, stickiness. Yeah. You know, let's, yeah. let's put that on the table. I is agree. a good reason to move over.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think if, if we want to take this back a little bit and think about a practical everyday use that mm-hmm. I think that everybody would understand is, I think, I, I always think about streaming services. Mm-hmm. We all live in this world of streaming services mm-hmm. where we, we're paying a monthly fee and we get access to Netflix, Prime, yep. Hulu, whatever it is we're watching. Now think of that instead and imagine and, and granted, this is what the world was, you know, prior to streaming services, where every time you wanted to watch a show or a movie, they said, All right, we need, you know, forty bucks for that, or I need twenty bucks for that film. Yep. I need a hundred dollars for you to watch this series. You would probably be a lot less inclined to do it. You wouldn't feel as good about it. But instead, now we we live in this world where we've got this service, and now every time they add something to that service, you still get the benefit of that you get to use that, you get the benefit of it, and it works the same way in this context. you know let's say that you know if you're a software provider and hey there's a new update or a patch or some mm-hmm. kind of you know new mm-hmm. feature or something. it's quite possible you can just upload that and just inform your your customers about it and say, yep. "Hey, new feature available today uh, now you can scan this new type of barcode or something mm-hmm. you know uh, it's already included, you know you don't need to do anything if you don't want it, you can turn it off or if you do need to turn it on or something, here's how to do it." nothing else needs to be done it's something you can easily push that update right over to them yep. and that's again that kind of thing where people are just awesome i don't have to think about this i knew this was coming it's already here i don't have to think that hard about it i don't have to i don't have to put in any extra effort or go talk to somebody have some you know lengthy process to get this you know funded or financed or whatever and and you know, and that's the other part too mm-hmm. is i think that when you're talking about these recurring revenue schemes and the idea that, um, and I say scheme in the sense of you know a, 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 the way you're scheming together, you know, like not a yeah, not a you know, not a, you the
1: know, guy, not the not hustling guy, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Hey, I got a scheme here, buddy. <laughs>
0: right, <laughs> I, you know, I think of, I have a feeling it's probably a much easier lift for executives, for accounting, for whoever has to sign off on this stuff mm-hmm. to be able to go to them and say, hey. We're currently paying X oh, in monthly right. revenue. Mm. They're just asking us to pay this now in mm. order to add in all this stuff. Here are the benefits? I, yeah. I, I have a feeling most most people would go like, okay, that's fine. That's easy enough. That's you know, that's going to add a little bit extra, on, you know, but hey, monthly, no, no big deal. Versus having to go to somebody and say, hey, we need to finance this new project. It's going to cost us 150 grand. Mm-hmm. That suddenly everything grinds to a halt. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people got to get together and talk this out. Mm-hmm. You know, all kinds of maybe RFIs and RFQs have to go out everywhere. It's, it's an entirely different process. I think that will be made so much easier for your customers and so much easier for you to get them on board a little bit faster.
1: Absolutely. And so that's the pivot. That's the mental pivot I, that I think that a reseller, if you're not living in this SaaS world, I mean, that's what a solution as a service, mm-hmm. subscription as a service world is. It's just, it's mentally thinking about it a little bit differently that, you know, that the solutions there are a little bit more flexible in what they can do. There's, there's advantages on the financial side there's advantages to you on the financial side. And then the fact that you've now got a stream of revenue coming in, it is a little bit different. We'll talk a little bit later because I know some of the resellers are out there as well, dude, I've got my whole business built on CapEx and, right. And, right. and how I'm compensating my sales team and stuff like that. We, we got an answer for you, by the way. Just You got to stay right. stick tuned. Stay, stay tuned until <laughs> the end of the pa- the podcast <laughs> and we can help you out there. But but the simple fact of the matter is that really you got to kind of pivot your thinking a little bit. And, and the note I made, here, John, is that to me, you know, when when you think about SaaS, you, you really have to start thinking. If you're a reseller today, you have to start thinking and talking like a software company or somebody else out there that's already in the SaaS business and start thinking about your business in that way. And I'm going to throw a couple acronyms out here on, on the ways that software companies think about their business and how they look at it that is completely different than a right, reseller. Right. Some of the terms would be such things like this customer acquisition cost or CAC. A reseller's probably like, what? You know, what what is a customer acquisition cost? Well, software companies will look at it and say, how much is it costing us to acquire X customer mm-hmm. and are we going to make our how long is it going to take us to make our money back right, on that? Right. You have to think that way. That's a different way of thinking than it a is. reseller going in there and saying, "Oh, this this solution is going to cost me ten grand. I want to make twenty percent on it, so it's going to cost them twelve grand." Yeah, you know that's that's pretty easy math. That doesn't take a lot to. You don't even have to consider. Well, maybe you, you're considering a little bit of the customer acquisition cost, like I got my sales team or commissioning them, and right, there's right. this whole marketing budget over there. But truly. You look at it differently. Mm -hmm. So there's a customer acquisition cost. There's things like customer lifetime value, the CLV. What is the customer lifetime value? Meaning you start looking at your business completely differently. If they're paying you monthly for a solution, right? Now you're seeing that revenue stream come in. That's a different optic than my OpEx. So you can build a business exactly where you're going on. Your accounting team's going to look at it differently. Oh, we've got these secured revenues coming in for the next, However many years, you know, based on the contracts that have written, it's just it's a different way of of looking at that as yeah. well.
0: And it makes your business very future and forward thinking,
2: mm-hmm. which,
0: you know, this is one this is one of those places where, you know, there's a differentiation between like our VARs and resellers that we work with mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sorry, VARs and software companies. A lot of times when we work with software companies, we talk to them, and you can tell that they are kind of in that startup mentality, mm-hmm. and they hold on to that for a, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is built around this idea of we know where we want to get in the future, mm-hmm. whether it's getting to an IPO, whether it's you know expanding out to you know an international market, whatever that is. There's usually a goal that these entrepreneurs have in mind that they're oh, trying 100%. to reach. Yeah. so their entire business is built around this idea of how do I get to that goal. Well, when you – I think if you adopt this kind of model, if you start adopting a SaaS model and and chasing this recurring revenue and and making that part of your business, it makes it easier for your business to do the same thing and to think to yourself, hey, I want to in the future be able to do this – so it makes it a lot easier when you know all right, uh, this is what i 'm getting every month out of recurring revenue for x amount of customers. If we increase our base to you know twice or you know maybe maybe fifty uh, percent of our base increase you know, on top of this with the same recurring revenue that 's going to get us to this point where when then we can shift our business and do this mm-hmm. We can add these extra people we can break into this a in different industry, mm-hmm. we can open up a new office building, whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's so much easier to start predicting the future at that point Mm -hmm. when you have that understanding about, hey, I know, all things considered, how much money this company is going to be making in three years, five years, 10 years, Mm -hmm. assuming we stick to this model and add our and grow our customer base along the way. Oh, That looks good. I mean, think about how good that looks, again, to your executives and to your partners when you can sit down, if you've got financiers or whatever, and you can sit down and explain to them, hey... Here's our plan and this is how we're going to get there and we know we're going to get there because we've built this model that mm-hmm. lets us lets us do
1: that 100%. And we also know that with partners that we've worked in in the in the marketplace, you know, obviously at Blue Star we've got a lot of customers that are retiring. Uh, we do have some customers that have been very innovative, been mm-hmm. on the recurring revenue SaaS model if you will years beforehand. And here's the good news that, you know, one of the optics might be it, it eventually if you own the company, eventually you're probably going to want to sell the company, right? It, right. Unless you're going to work until you die kind of a thing. <laughs> you're, you, if your optics are to retire someday. You want to sell the company. Completely different business. When you go to the marketplace saying, oh, well, I have a company that did a million dollars in revenue and you got a, you're sitting across the table from a buyer and you say, well, I did a million dollars last year I'm, here's my pipeline. Here's what I think is gonna come in. You know, now there's well, do I believe them or not? That's that's a different conversation than saying, oh, by the way, here here's the company now under a SaaS model. Or recurring revenue model. Oh, here's the million dollars I did last year, and here are the contracts that are gonna, in essence, guarantee it for the next X amount of years. It's it's a different optic. You know, it's just a completely different optic when you're going to 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 sell your company. So anyway, I I think your point is really valid. I mean, it just it just changes the way the thinking needs to occur. Yeah. On the on on the front of the reseller, they're just typically not wired to think that way right right? right. they're not wired to think about it on the upfront they're not thinking about it the long term but there's so many benefits as we've illustrated here uh to doing that now and just mm -hmm. interrupt you for
0: a second i would think also that from the perspective of someone in sales because i I think back in my time in sales Mm -hmm. and one of the always the biggest things hanging over your head was in sales was Meeting your next years or quarters or whatever's sure. quota, yeah. And it was always a a target that was built on. Here's what I did last year. Yep. I got to do X percent over last 10% year, ten percent more. Right.
1: We need twenty percent more and we, out of you. And John. we
0: all know that at some <laughs> point that has like you can't do that. At some point you can't keep growing. <laughs> but I gave unless my
1: twenty percent last year. I you know. Yeah.
0: Unless you're always raising your prices or something, and everyone is going to buy right. regardless of how much you keep raising your prices. You yeah. know that's hard to do. Yeah, you know you're sure. gonna you're gonna lose people. Things are going to change. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that's another example of where this last year may have taught us a lot about that, where unpredictable things can occur that can damage your business. You know, nobody last year who had a sales goal that was 20% higher than the year before probably made that,
1: (laughs) you know, because (laughs) things changed pretty dramatically. unless you sell, I don't know, COVID instant kits or something like that. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So (laughs) I would think then that... For your sales team, it's a much nicer thing to be able to go to them and say, hey, instead of saying you have to get X amount of percentage in dollars more than you did last year, what Mm -hmm. if it's, hey, I'm asking you to grow your customer base Mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to get, you know, 10, 20 new customers Mm -hmm. on our recurring revenue Mm -hmm. platform this year, Uh, you know. I feel like there's a different, there's a different ask or, totally. I, you know, or, you know, expand the subscription for, you know, 10 customers this mm-hmm. year, whatever it mm-hmm. is, you know, rather than just an arbitrary, here's a dollar amount you have to now get to. Good luck. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, this, now, to me, it feels like it'd be an easier.
1: Now to. I'm going to connect the dots to other previous conversations that we had. So clearly, people need to be listening to this podcast because oh, yeah. we, we tie the you know we're, we're connecting the dots on conversations we've had. It's like in, one of those in the past. they have like on a
0: crime show, hundred percent. Yeah, strings to it everywhere.
1: Yeah, we are NCIS or whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> so um, okay, so we've we've talked about how companies are transforming their sales departments, right. and this is the perfect opportunity. If you start pivoting towards SaaS and recurring revenue, you need to consider or changing the way that your sales team is oriented as well. And what I mean by that, we have talked about there's a trend in the marketplace right now that salespeople truly should only be compensated and have the optics of going after new business. Mm -hmm. If it's existing business, that's a customer service representative, right? Right, So if if you have a sales team that is just managing your current customers, They're not sales. I hate to tell you that. They're customer service reps that you are commissioning on selling whatever, you know, the the, the selling that they do. So the way that the marketplace is moving is now considering customer service reps to being those that manage existing business. And sales is truly the ones that are out there beating the bushes trying to find new business. And they're compensated accordingly. Like if you find me 10 new customers, good. We're going to compensate you on those 10 new customers and then next year – Go out and find – got to find new ones. Forget about the 10 that you just found because they're now going to be managed under customer service. The reason that's so important to me, John, is that I also think about the optics of how software companies, their business is fundamentally different. The way they approach it is fundamentally different as well Mm -hmm. for anybody that's in the SaaS service. And one big way is what what I'll determine is the customer onboarding. So – when they bring on a new customer, there's a whole activity that's around customer onboarding.
2: Mm-hmm. The use
1: case I'll give you is HubSpot. We use HubSpot at mm-hmm. Blue Star. It's it's a CRM, but it's also an e-marketing tool, yeah. and it's a SaaS. Mm-hmm. So the company's just software, basically, yep. right? But they've got a whole team that is around onboarding. Why? Because they want you to understand the tool that you just bought into very, very well, so that your team is now uh, very. Uh, educated on how to use the tool so that as you go about your business and implementing it, the end user in the case, in this case it would be Bluestar, knows the tool, they understand the tool, they're utilizing the tool. That's huge on recurring revenue. So if you're a reseller that's pivoting, my message to you is you have to be sensitive to the customer onboarding and put a little bit more resources behind that that you might not have done in the past, right? Mm -hmm. In the past, when you're doing CapEx, you got the solution, you install the solution, You're done, you're wiping your hands. You know, it's like the deal. Let me know when you need something else. Let me know when you need something else. When you have a recurring revenue model, you can't do that. You have to be sensitive. You have to be tapped into how the customer's doing. So your customer onboarding, it starts with the customer onboarding, but also just, you know, the overall customer experience, your optics have to to shift a little bit to that. So again, connecting the dots back, totally makes sense to me now that a lot of companies are pivoting to customer service reps because Mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. You know, servicing the account, not trying to sell them. How are you doing on this? Is is everything going OK? Checking in with them on some regular interval. Right, right. Hey, everything's still going OK. Because you want them to, when that re-up comes two years, three years down the road, you just want them hitting the yep, accept button. Yep. You know, just not yeah. even thinking about. Why would I even think about pivoting off of HubSpot, you know, to go back right, to my right, example. We're right. not going to pivot off of that because no. we know how to use it. We're good. We're
0: You know, we're good. We're very
1: embedded in it at this point. We're yeah. very embedded in yeah. it. We got it.
0: And to your point, you know, I, I'll get frequent emails from them. You know, hey, here's new features we're offering mm-hmm. this month. Hey, here's a new way you can do this. Hey, here's a video you can watch about how to do this. Mm-hmm. Hey, just checking in. Do you need anything? Uh, you know, let us know how we're doing type stuff. You're right. There's always those touch points that are going on. And and to your point, yeah, I guarantee that's that's someone who's a – Service rep that is focused on us as a pre existing customer, and they've got other people that are out there trying to, you know, to wrangle in and bring in new folks along the way. It's a very good point. It's, you know, it's, uh, because I think the, the bottom line there is, it is very hard to ask anybody in sales to do both of those things well it at is. once.
1: It is. It's so hard. And that, think about what you're asking that person to do. Right. I mean, you know, they're going to, we know the drill. We, you and I have oh, both yeah, been in yeah, sales. Exactly. People gravitate to what they're comfortable with. Some yep. people are bulldogs and they're out there just, in, and that's what they do. Right. And, and great. And they're just wired that way. They just give me the next deal, give me the next deal, give me right. the next deal. If you're, that's one type of mentality. But if you're tasking that same person with now nurturing and making sure your customers are doing well, Mm -hmm. bulldogs aren't usually pretty good at at making sure that the customer is doing well. It's just a different mentality. So when you're asking your sales team to be a nurturer plus a bulldog, mm, kind of an issue. So that's why I think you're starting to see this change in the marketplace towards customer service. And I totally get why software companies and recurring revenue companies do that. Resellers need to start thinking yep. in that way. They need to pivot their mindset on, and, and changing their business model a little bit to accommodate for that. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. agree. Yeah.
0: Well, let's kind of, you know, change gears a little bit here and talk mm-hmm. about some other sources of recurring revenue. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we, we think about a lot of this basic stuff of, hey, I've got a software that's got a subscription element to it, or, you know, a mm-hmm. uh, piece of hardware I'm selling you that I'm basically just going to charge you, you know, in, you know incremental amounts in order to just keep upgrading you as need be or whatever, fixing it as need be, whatever, all that. Mm-hmm. But there are other ways you can earn some recurring revenue. And I, we don't need to dive too far into these, but we can kind of explain a little bit about some of these. Payment processing. Mm-hmm. Everything is all about taking payments these days. Yep. And you're seeing more and more places that are finding unique ways to collect payments. Whether it is, you know, being able to pay somebody online, whether it is uh, using contactless payments. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's there's so many different avenues of payments these days. It's not mm-hmm. just simple transactions anymore. Mm-hmm. So, getting in on that payment processing aspect and being able to offer up. You know, have a a connection with someone in the processing world that you can offer them up and say, hey, I'm working with XYZ over here. They're going to come in and take care of the processing side of this for you and make that part simple and easy. It's not some third party that you have to get involved with. Again, that's something you can add into a recurring fee for you there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Complementary solutions um, that, you know, go alongside of whatever you're already selling them. So do you need to offer guest Wi-Fi? So if Mm -hmm. I'm setting up a network for you, do you need to be able to offer guest Wi-Fi? Uh, what was some of these other ones here? No, PCI I, compliance, I, um, yep. Backup and disaster recovery, you yep. know, The stuff that people are going to need, you know, as they're you know operating their business. And again, normally it's something they may have thought to go third party to do. Mm. But what if you can do that through you instead?
1: I love this one. I think we need to drill in a little bit on complementary <clears throat> services because when you think about it, and and I guess it's because I have some experience here as well. And and this is how we began to pivot our company into the recurring revenue mm-hmm. SaaS model was through complementary services. So if you're a reseller today, you got your comfort world. You know it. You know you, you install POS systems. And, and it's it's your world, or or if you're a ADC uh, reseller, you know you're installing the solution. What are some complementary services that you can add on there that would come at a monthly basis? Yeah, is it Wi-Fi? Is it security? Is it those types of things? The, there are there are solutions out there that if you added them onto your tech stack. Um, you know, you could now start billing for those and take incremental steps towards recurring revenue. What we did in the past, my experience is we, we, we were digital signage. So we, we hung digital signage, right? But the recurring revenue, what we started going to the marketplace with back in the day was managed services. Hey, we can help you with the content. Yep. We can help you with managing your screens. You know, if you're looking for somebody, we can we can be your network operations center, your knock, uh on and there's just a small fee for that or whatever. So there are ways that you can start dipping your toe and in getting into those those worlds through complementary ser- yep. solutions. I love yep. it. Yeah. And
0: again, you're eliminating a frustrate a frustration point for your customers mm-hmm. where because we've all had this happen at some point in our lives. You buy something from somewhere and something goes wrong. The place you bought it from, the store, online retailer, whatever, is not the person who wants to serve as a help out with it. <laughs> right. They tell you, like, no, don't talk to us. <laughs> go over to this website, call this number, and talk to these people about it. Like, okay, uh, well, then why didn't I just buy it from them exactly. to begin with? So, yeah, you don't want to be that person. You want to be the person they say, hey, if you have any problems, mm-hmm. you're coming to us. Yep. Granted, you may have to go, you know, reach out to those original oh, manufacturers. sure,
1: but you're managing or, it for them. Right.
0: Yeah. You're taking care of that for them. You are one point of contact. That they know they can reach out to you for any problems that they have. There's that stickiness again.
1: I love it. Exactly. Yeah, that's the what customer it, that sticks with. That's you. a great way of getting into there. Yeah. Yep. But there's some other ways too. Yeah. yeah.
0: Value add services. Obviously, we're. This is the value add industry. You know. Right. If you're a VAR, you <laughs> uh, you, know, you got value add services. You've you got right. value add services. Things like marketing, uh, offering. Yeah. You know, online ordering, loyalty programs, whatever kind of mm-hmm. service you have, configuration you know getting everything ready to roll out kit boxing whatever kind of cool services you might offer mm-hmm. all part of that that can be that recurring revenue say hey uh, you know, we're going to add in. We're going to help you out with some marketing. We've got some great marketing platforms uh, that we can, you know, launch on your behalf. Mm-hmm. So give us an extra five bucks a month, and we'll run a marketing. Program and I'm going
1: to give you. you one one small way that a reseller can go in that direction because you know we I've been in environments where that's a, a little bit of a challenge. You know, how do we we know our value added services, but how can we add those on, or how do we know in the marketplace what might be a good one that we could do on a recurring basis? We would make a a point to take a step back because here's what resellers do (laughs) resellers you know they've got multiple customers out there and they've got this solution they do this setup and everything's good to go they move on to the next one Mm -hmm. you know what this next person needs something that's pretty similar to what what i just did over here but they need it tweaked in in another way Mm -hmm. so they're endlessly tweaking solutions right it's a little bit of this or a little bit of that we would take a step back and say, hey, you know, let's look at what we did last year and all the solutions that we implemented. Mm -hmm. And every single one of them had a 20% differentiator behind it. You know, a little bit different over here, a little bit different over there. Then we take a look at it and say, is there anything marketable here? Or is there anything that we could, now that we've built it once, the old Oracle model or the Razor model, whatever you want to say, now that we've built it once, can we offer that to others? Mm -hmm. First off, these other customers that bought something similar to us and or, out into the marketplace, you know, what is the little thing here that we could do, and we, we would we would focus in on those one or two things. Maybe it's just one or two services, additional right, services right. that we did last year as a nicety to customer X Y Z or whatnot. That now we're going to try to parlay that into actually a little bit of our business right, moving right. forward, and, and and that's a great way to do it. So you've got value adds. I know every single reseller out there is doing little additional value adds along the mm-hmm. way. Which ones of those can you blow up and, and, and yep. make meaningful revenue to?
2: Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. I think there's definitely something to be able to say for that. When you can go to somebody and say, hey, we've, we've got 50 customers all doing the same thing. Yep. 25 of them we've done this with and it's been very successful. You other 25, you want on board, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. Why wouldn't you? you Yeah, 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 exactly. Definitely. Uh, Security services, we already talked about that. Again, a growing need, especially, you know, we actually just had a conversation with Jeff Smith about government uh, a couple of weeks back where we talked about, you know, cloud security and cloud computing and how important that's becoming in the government space. But obviously there's a huge security element to that. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not playing in government, anybody who's playing in the cloud wants to know that whatever they're doing there is secure. secure. If you're storing customer information, if you're processing transactions, You want to know that stuff secure. That's services that you can potentially offer up as well. And then on-demand services Mm. as well. Uh, So, you know, if uh, I I don't know too many details about what that might include. But, um, you know, it it could be adding in – well, you know, actually I guess that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, this idea of, hey – Things have changed in our business and we need to pivot. And now we have an extra service that we want to add in and we're going to include that on demand for you. It's Maybe it's already built in or it's something you can quickly and easily add in and Mm -hmm. add a little bit of an extra fee on there too. And I guarantee you – No reason not to do that.
1: Absolutely. It's happening. I guarantee you if resellers just pivot their thinking a little bit on on that front and how they can now capitalize on some of those things that they've been doing in – you know, with other customers, it, it really opens up the world yep. uh, to definitely, mm.
0: Dean, anything else you had before we get into our recurring segments?
1: No. I think we've cut again, I, I think that you really need to start thinking resellers – you know, there's, there's benefits out there, right? Mm. There's benefits to moving towards a recurring revenue SaaS model. We've, we've illustrated them, um, the stickiness, the ability to resell those types of things. It, it's the right solution selling. It's where the m- world is moving to. So, mm. uh, just consider that, but you also have to saying yes to that is one thing, but pivoting your business and also reacting to it through customer service. And some of those things, uh, you just, you need to take a different optic and really kind of change, uh, your, your your way of thinking so
2: yeah
0: great yeah all good well as i mentioned this was an article from our tech connect today newsletter it's our new newsletter uh i will put a link in the show notes where you can go sign up but Mm -hmm. you can also go to bluestarinc.com look for newsletters sign up there highly recommend you get on this we have great content coming down the pipeline we'll occasionally grab some talk about it here but you're missing out on a bunch (laughs) of other good stuff if you're not reading the newsletter as well so Uh, And, hey, as always, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, Elo, Epson, Honeywell, and Zebra. We very much appreciate your support for our show. Could not do this without you. And, hey, as always, if you want to reach out to us, if you have some thoughts about recurring revenue, have some questions, uh, you can email us uh, at techconnect at bluestarting.com. You can also find us on Twitter at techconnectpod. All right, let's wrap up with our recurring segments about yes. recurring revenue. <laughs> let's see what we did. There's synergy. That's marketing synergy, folks. Uh, let's start with our value to the var. This is where we kind of wrap up our conversation with particularly to our var audience. Yeah. And in this one, you know, let's toot our own horn a little bit here because mm-hmm. Blue Star is, you know, again, we understand what is happening here. Mm-hmm. We understand this shift to the SaaS model. Mm-hmm to recurring revenue mm-hmm. and we want to help our partners get there. So 100%. let's talk a little bit about Blue Star's hybrid SaaS program yep. and any other programs that we that we have out there to help facilitate this recurring revenue. Dean, I know you're an expert on this. So explain a little bit more about what we do.
1: Well, in all seriousness, this is this is a serious topic because I, I, I know it's hard for resellers to, yeah, okay, I want to make that move, guys, you know, but I, here's the world that I live in today. How am I going to change? And primarily that comes down to how do I compensate my sales reps uh, for the work that they do, number one. Uh, and, and what are the mechanisms that I could do to, to finance these end user monthly payments? It, it's, it's really difficult to do. And so we came to the marketplace with what we call hybrid SaaS. And, and this is, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the podcast. And this is, this is the tool that you can utilize, any reseller can utilize to help make a move in that direction. And here's why we called it a hybrid SaaS, is that with a hybrid SaaS, it's a financing tool that you can now take to market and it has a couple benefits. Number one, you can now compete on the monthly um, monthly end user cost. So you can walk in the door with a solution, a total solution. That solution can include the hardware, the software, the services that you're putting in, all of that bundled into the cost and you can offer the end user a monthly payment. Over time, mm-hmm. two, three years. It doesn't matter the industry. This can be in POS. This can be, you know, hospitality retail. This can be any reseller out there that's doing um, ADC, RFID. Digital signage, doesn't matter, this hybrid SaaS solution works. So your end user now is paying a monthly payment. So it's a financing tool to help enable that, number one. So now you can compete. You can compete with anybody else that's walking in the door and saying, yeah, I can provide that same solution, but it's only $500 a month as opposed to $20,000 up front. So we've got that tackled through hybrid SaaS. Number two, it helps you on your compensation side. And here's how the 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 tool will finance the deal, but as the reseller, you have the levers in the background to pull. Do you want to get compensated for yourself on that deal all up front, mm-hmm. or do you want that to occur over time? So we've worked with financial partner that will enable that, meaning if you have a sales team that you're still commissioning on a basic sale so now right just to frame this out, it's a solution. The solution is being paid $500 a month by the end user. How the heck am I gonna compensate my sales rep on that $500? Mm. Through hybrid SaaS, you as the reseller are getting paid upfront for the entire solution. So let's say it was that $10,000 solution. You're getting the 10 grand upfront. You can still commission your rep and still work in the world that you are, but you've offered that end user a monthly payment or you can dial it back a little bit let's say you start transitioning your sales team to getting commissioned a little bit on monthly basis oh. you could take 50 50 of the money up front and then table 50 percent of the dollars to come in over time that way as you start changing your compensation for your sales team uh because you right it's it's not fair to just go cut the cord and say well yesterday you were getting commissioned on cap on capex Tomorrow you're getting commissioned on all this opex, and mm-hmm. yeah, you're not going to make as much money because it's going to take you whatever a years time right, to right. get up to that. You can wean people a little bit. You can offer them, you know, fifty percent now and a little bit uh, uh, coming over time. So the hybrid SaaS solution that we have offers all kinds of flexibility on that on that um, down that that path. So it's really in, in critical for for resellers to just get in touch with us. Let us show you how you can use this financial tool. To start bridging the gap between how I start pivoting my sales team on their compensation and, oh, by the way, you can now start competing in the world with a, with a monthly payment as well. It's yeah. really a great program. But yeah. that's the whole design is to help people make that transition yep. over. I
0: agree. I mean, basically, the idea here is, hey, we just talked to you, told you all about why you want to implement a SaaS, a solution-as-a-service program of some mm-hmm. sort, to help meet your customers' needs and how they want to be able to do business and purchase and... Finance and understand, you know, uh, you know what they can and can't afford. We want to do the same thing for you. Yep, that's the bottom line of it. Yep, we want to make that. So if, if for some reason your particular model and your needs don't necessarily align with your customer needs, you can both have what you want in in at one time.
1: Yeah. So the goal is absolutely, John. And and let's keep in mind the goal here is for a reseller to become that solution seller. Let's say it's five years down the road. You know, their goal is to become a complete SaaS model, mm-hmm. recurring. They don't even offer CapEx solutions mm-hmm. anymore. They're completely – everything that they do is monthly-based, but it's going to take a little while to get right. there. You need a it's bridge. hard to pivot that overnight. You, you know. need a bridge to get there. That's what hybrid SaaS will do. So that's one of the services that, if you ask me, that we're bringing to the table to help – resellers do that the other one and we've talked a lot about this you know when you're when you're a solution seller you need a tech stack you know Uh we keep referring to that and what we mean by that is when you go to the marketplace with solutions you can't be a one-trick pony you can't Uh just walk in the door and say oh the only thing i do is point of sale this is it this just right, just right. is a little part of the overall solution. This is all I do. If you're going to survive in another five years, you need to have more solutions. You need to help. You need to have a tech stack. That's why, by the way, hint, hint, we created the whole <laughs> tech connect program. Yep. We have a, a, a program where we have embraced software development companies in the marketplace. We are kind of helping our resellers and vetting who those people are. So if you have a need out there. You can either uh, contact us and, and and have us query our TechConnect database, but you don't even need to get that sophisticated. What you need to do though is you need to get out in the marketplace and figure out what your tech stack is going to be. Right, right. We can help you. We've got the TechConnect program that can help get you down that path. If you're looking for somebody who can help you on the Wi-Fi, let's say you wanted to do those complimentary services, right? Um, that you're going to add on, and you need security. Well, we got people that can help you there. We got folks like WatchGuard and stuff like that that can get you start getting you down that. path path. Uh, of enabling you to yes get into recurring revenue number one and B offer a new uh, solution uh, to and add to your tech stack along the way so I don't know just off the top of my head those are two you yeah. got hybrid SaaS yep. and the financing that we're helping people out you need additional partners and and add to your t- your tech stack we got that through our yep. Tech Connect program
0: I it's exactly the same things I was thinking they, oh you, I took it I took well, the words right I, out of I, your mouth I, I knew you would It's <laughs> one of those things I'm like I'm just gonna pitch this to Dean because he's gonna be able to say it better than I ever could yeah but yeah the bottom line here is that you know You know, we don't spend usually a lot of time in this podcast talking about ourselves and what we can do, but this is an example of a time where, hey, we're out there to offer up help and services. You know, we don't, we're not successful if our customers aren't successful. Mm -hmm. And, this kind of stuff is the kind of stuff that's going to help you be successful and to go to business and to go to market the way you want to. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be helping you do that also. So yep. um, I will put some links again in the show notes for all this stuff where you can find all of our, our additional services, mm-hmm. our financial services. Um, definitely check out the hybrid SaaS page. There's a great video that you and Mark Fraker shot together yep. explaining the program and how it works, a little bit more detail. And, if, of course, if you're interested in any of this, please reach out to us. We are more than happy to talk to you about it again your success is ours, so we want to help work with you on
2: this. 100%. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's wrap up with our favorite segment of uh, this week and every week, which is our what's tech connecting with us, whatever piece of cool tech, innovation, science, mm-hmm. story, whatever's caught our attention. So, Dean, what's tech connecting with you this week?
1: Non-fungible tokens. Oh, God. Do you know what a non-fungible yeah, token yeah. is?
0: I, I went down the <laughs> rabbit hole of this. People spending millions of dollars to buy no, mil a, tens a, of a, millions of pixelated image or whatever, dude. I mean, what uh, the heck is a non fungible
1: token? I, yeah,
0: something very, very rich people are playing with right now. Clearly, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I two weeks ago, I had no idea what yeah. an NFT was. Yep. You know, I just oblivious to what a non fungible token was. Wake up to alarmed at that somebody n- named Beeple just got sixty-five million dollars for a non-fungible token, and I'm thinking to myself, "Damn, I am in the wrong business. Whatever I'm doing is right, not right, right because somebody just paid somebody for the unique token." You know, I get it. Okay, so what is a non-fungible token? It's a. It's like a. Uh, it's something that can't be duplicated right they use blockchain technology right, right, so right. if you create an asset and you ato- associate and it's not a physical it's obvi- not obvi- a physical uh, right. object uh, but you can associate a digital asset tag to it in essence right. through a non-fungible token well now it, you you can prove that it's unique yeah. so it's the whole economic law of scarcity there's only one of this right. whatever it is but uh, so my alarm, oh, there's already kinds of all, all kinds of players in here. NBA right. is creating uh, a- NFT videos with yep. LeBron yep. James that, you know, unique. And this is the only one of this thing, even though it right. can be duplicated endless amounts of time. Right. Th- that's okay. But you have the original. You have I the guess. original. Yeah. And the original is – so th- do you know about Beeble? Do you know about this well, guy? Well, I just
0: I, – I remember reading yeah. that, s- that story.
1: Marco about knows about people. Particular.
0: I've never heard of people before. I that. didn't
1: know about this yeah. guy either, but he creates artwork, right? Digital right. artwork. His whole gig is uh, – on Instagram, I think he posts one – a GIF or – no, it's not a GIF. It's an image that he creates using 8 bit or whatever. It's not like – it's uh, anyway. Uh, and he creates one image a day and loads it up. So he's got like a library of 5,000 of them, and it's that 5,000 library that just garnered him $65 million because they put an NFT behind it. So there you go, John. Have you only been creating these little digital images, right? And they're silly. They're goofy. And we don't even want to get into some of them because they're a little – it's stuff we can't (laughs) talk about. Uh, Well, this reminded me of – do you remember a few years back, it was found
0: out that the Wu-Tang Clan had, had created an entirely new album. But the only person that had it was that Martin Shkreli dude, that pharma bro guy who got in all the trouble for like jacking up the cost of EpiPens. Oh
2: uh, yeah, and he
0: somehow had come into possession, or bought, or owned the entire New <laughs> Wu Tang Clan album and had it for himself, <laughs> and was not going to release it where anybody else could listen to this. Mm-hmm. That is, I guess, is the same concept of this. And then, granted, yeah. you know, you know, some of these people who get this may release copies or you know versions of it, I guess, out there. But yeah, it's this is one of those things where I. Like it kind of blows my mind a little bit. Like I get the concept, but I also go, the only people that care about this kind of stuff is someone who's just got income to just I guess, throw away. On I guess because right?
1: because the sixty five million came through a Christie's auction. Right. So if you're going to a Christie's auction, you've got, you've some got money, got money. Yeah. I, dude. I'm not sitting there. I don't have the little palette that I'm <laughs> waving. You know, waving. Yeah, I'm bidding.
0: I'm bidding. $40? The... Forty dollars. <laughs> Forty.
1: <laughs> did, did, any, did you, you say forty
0: thousand, <laughs> N- no 40 no That's yeah
1: same. yeah so we're maybe not in this ecosystem but what was revolutionary or, or what so disruptive about this is that the fact that christie's did auction it off and by the way i think that the whole thing started at was it one dollar or a hundred dollars it was one of the two the nft for Beeple started at like a hundred dollars wow and it got to 65 million so That legitimizes this whole thing. I I wouldn't have thought anything about this except for the whole art world. The whole art world just justified non-fungible tokens.
0: Now you have to understand (laughs) cryptocurrency and non-fungible tokens. Good luck, everybody. There you go. Yeah, Yeah,
1: good luck with that or else you're not in the art collection business at all. So to your point, I guess it is just a bunch of people that got way too much money thinking that they've outdone themselves here. I mean,
0: Maybe. don't be wrong. If I can find a way to non fungible <laughs> token something and get a bunch of millions of dollars <laughs> out, of it, I will. But I just I doubt I have anything that's that useful. We're gonna so. create
1: NFTs of Marco,
0: <laughs> just little videos.
1: <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna create our own NFTs, you know, and then we'll just market them and see if we if we get a dollar. What? <laughs> that's true. If Maybe. we get a dollar of Bitcoin today, I mean, the way that it's been growing. That's a good point. Yeah. Shit. I we'll have a hundred dollars and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So All right, anyway. Well. What's uh, what's tech connecting with you, John?
0: So for me, for some reason, I feel like I always end up in the car space a lot of times about what's going on in the world of cars. So, uh, Hyundai's new electric car has a solar panel roof and can charge other EVs. This is the ah. uh, the Hyundai Ionic Five, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, I believe scheduled to this spring actually. Uh, so it's an electric vehicle, but it has solar panels on the roof, and the idea uh, with the solar panels is that. It'll give you a little bit extra boost, you know, to your battery every day. Like I think this was like a British article, I think. So it said something like 2,000 kilometers extra over the course of a year. So Mm. it said something like maybe like five or six kilometers a day or something, you know, extra that you can potentially, you know, get out of your battery life for that day Mm -hmm. by having the solar panels. And that's assuming you're driving around in a place that gets a lot of regular sunlight. Right. If you're in Seattle, sorry, you know, you're (laughs) – <laughs> this thing's probably kind of useless to you. But I thought the, the other interesting part of it was this idea that, that you could potentially help charge other EVs as well. So it says, if you're, once the Ionic 5's battery depletes to 15%, it will automatically stop charging. Oh, so it says, um, if the battery level is above 15%, you can plug the new Hyundai into another electric car to charge it.
2: Very nice. And there's
0: something cool about that. But at the same time, I'm also like, man, I don't want to be that guy in the neighborhood, right? Who has the car that can charge other people's cars. Hey, John. Yeah. Do you mind if I Hey, I need a charge. Can yeah. I plug into your car? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, open the or, garage. No, for even it, worse, you know.
1: like you just pull into the parking lot, you're trying to go to Walmart or whatever and get <laughs> exactly. your stuff done, and then you have that awkward, hey, somebody start, you can see him out of the corner of your eye <laughs> walking up and he's going to ask if he can hop a charge Usually off of your car. Usually it's that guy
0: coming to you and asking for some gas money or something, you know, or you know. <laughs> But no, it's gonna be it's gonna be some somebody you know in a fine suit or whatever yes. coming to you. you oh know. right, we've yes. got their electric vehicle. We're like, hello, I, <laughs> I see you have the new Iconic. Um, may I charge a little bit off of you? Like. I'm just here to, I just want to go, you know, uh, buy a hose, you know? So maybe I mean, that's on. one of those
1: good ideas that in practice might be a little, <laughs> not I, what they I, I guess, you
0: know, I mean, if you're someone who likes to meet new people, maybe that's something for you, you know, that could be a well, selling point for the car, you know? I
1: guess. I don't know. You see it in cell phones. Doesn't Samsung have, they, they have they a do. commercial out where you can yep. share your energy with yep. those around you. So I, I think they're just yeah, kind of adding yeah. on to that.
0: I guess I'm a little too misanthropic for that. Yeah, Yeah. well, that's true. <laughs> no, get away. Get away. No. My car, my energy. Yeah.
1: I'm not sharing anything <laughs> with you.
0: No, but it is a cool idea. And I mean, you know, it's something that – you know again could help revolutionize vehicles in the future that you know if, if if we're all driving electric vehicles and it's you know you're you've got some distance to go before you can get to another charging station imagine just
1: we you know, all we plug all, into somebody
0: yeah. else's real quick and, yeah. and you know getting a little boost there
1: well we're all gonna, gonna be driving like sure. I am I'm gonna be driving an electric vehicle vehicle here soon yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I I think think go. So. all right
0: so all right. that's what's tech connecting with us uh, uh, thank you so much for watching it all as always it is time for us to unplug today so uh, you know if, again recurring revenue name of the game Uh, If you're not doing it already, you need to be doing it. So until next time, stay (laughs) connected. Trying to help your customers open or reopen safely with social distancing and infection control protocols? ELO offers touchscreen solutions to help with employee access, guest check-in, self-service, and much more. Their modular platforms increase safety, eliminate paper-based processes, and reduce the cost of visitor management. ELO also provides thorough cleaning and disinfecting guidelines. To learn more, visit ELO's microsite on bluestarinc.com or contact your ELO representative. Delivering high-quality patient care starts by connecting data from admissions to discharge and every step in between. Zebra's patient identity management solutions enable precision when matching patient records, medication, specimens, and more, so the right patient gets the right care every time. Built from a connected ecosystem of scanners, printers, and supplies to help ensure treatments and medications are accurately administered, Zebra's patient identity solutions give clinicians the performance edge they need to deliver safe and accurate care. To learn more, check out the link in the show notes or
2: contact the Boostar Zebra team.